Hello, is this thing on? All right. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Energy 101. We are in the studio with myself, Sydney. We got Jules. We got John. Resident Rad Dad's Resident back. Resident Rad Dad is <laughs> back. They've, they've suckered me into another episode. We're going to try and keep uh, his word limit to yes. not something astronomical today. We will cut you off. <laughs> we will cut you off. Um, it's, it's needed. It's a necessary evil. Our That's guest cool. of honor today is Jennifer Stewart from Cord Energy. Um, she is a neighbor of John's. Yeah. I mean, for a few Several years Several years. Yeah. 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 It's funny because we were, we met just through some neighborhood stuff, some mutual friends. And then I think I saw, I think you posted on Jeff Rustin's like Facebook, something that he yes. posted. And I was like, how do you know Jeff Rustin? He was the first company man I ever worked for when I graduated as a field engineer. And so yes. <laughs> small, small world. <laughs> Jeff was a company man at BHP that I worked with a lot. Um, so it's just interesting how. Uh, we knew we ended up finding out that yep. we knew a lot of the same people in the industry. So I always say Houston is a big city, but it is like the smallest big city. Yes. Well, on the, the planet. The I know the industry, the industry is, alone is like that as well. Even outside of that, like when I meet mm -hmm. people out, just restaurants, whatever bars, everyone like knows other people. And I'll see photos of like uh, girls that I know. I'm like, how do you know this? It's wild. Yeah, it is. But uh, Jen, give us a rundown on your background, how you got into the industry, because I know you have a very interesting path. Yes. So I actually have uh, two degrees, political science and psychology, which neither of which have anything to mm -hmm. do with what I do. Um, I've always kind of, uh, you know, saw myself with a career in politics, right. even considered going into the Air Force and, um, you know, entering into JAG, I really wanted to do law. I thought law was going to be like my path, right? Mm -hmm. Politics. Um, and then, you know, life tends to take you on different journeys. And when I graduated college, I kind of started doing the local city ordinance mm -hmm. uh, um, out of Longview, Texas. That's where I was living. Out. Where is that? That is like East Texas. That's East, yeah. okay. East, East Texas. Texas. East Texas. Baby, right? I, it's like 45 <laughs> minutes outside of Shreveport, mm -hmm. but okay. on the Texas side, if you know okay. where Shreveport is. Yeah. Um, and um, basically just started kind of working with a nonprofit organization and, and doing things like tobacco cessation awareness, you know, um, and, uh, you know, at that time it was a really great job. I was kind of doing what I was wanting to do, getting my feet wet and working with nonprofits. Describe and what that is real quick for people who don't know what tobacco cessation is. Quit smoking. <laughs> That's the, the lowest level that I can describe. It's basically bringing awareness and education to the schools, uh, even to people just like your ordinary people in, in the city, just yeah. like kind of letting them know, hey, like this is the kind of, you know, health problems that it brings you and why mm -hmm. you shouldn't be doing this and um, all the different like additives and all of that that are added into tobacco and things like that. So we were really pushing that and it was successful. Yeah. And that's when people, you know, could no longer smoke in restaurants kind of thing. So that's like where my whole like work experience started post-graduation of college. And then, um, you know, the state underwent budget cuts and funding. And so my grant was cut and it was kind of time to, 
you know, move back to the city, you know, get on some concrete because that's kind of like, you know, what I grew up in is a more of a city girl, less of a country girl kind of thing. So moved back to Houston and started working for a um, engineering firm at the time, which was known as PPI. Um, and basically, I was a, an administrative assistant for, for several months um, and worked with a group of people who were all on the like the IT data side. And they were building out software for a lot of the operators to track things like non-productive time and management mm -hmm. of change. Yeah. Um, and so over time, you know, they brought me on and, uh, you know, gave me a promotion as data analyst and went and I went and worked for BHP. Um, and essentially it was like their, their, not their account manager, but I, I represented PPI and I was responsible for the software and I delivered a lot of like. KPIs and mm -hmm. performance reviews and all of that on non-productive time. In-house engineer, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, then the those folks at BHP were like, oh, we like you. We want to bring you on full time. Mm -hmm. And they were needing more techs because, you know, BHP, you know, they had Chesapeake. They bought some yeah, assets from Chesapeake. They bought a bunch oh, of assets. Yeah. Yes. That and time from period. Petrahawk. Um, and they were needing folks. And so I came in not knowing a thing about <laughs> what it was that I would be doing, right? And- um, Kind of sounds like us. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> let me tell you, when I was very green, even though I was supporting a software and talking about management mm -hmm. change and non-productive time, I was just an Excel whiz, really, to be honest with mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. I knew how to export data, you know, pivot, pivot the data and give it back to them and basically you know, I was a really good speaker too, so I could put it in presentations and all that. That was like the gist of my yeah. job. Um, but I had a boss who was uh, a very strong personality. Um, and I liked that about him because you always know where you stand with somebody. Yeah. And he came to me like the first couple of days of me being employed at BHP and was just like, you have one week to learn open wells. That's intimidating yeah. when you've, you know, never even worked in a software, never worked for an operator. Mm -hmm. This was like you were fresh kind of still to the industry because at this point I had only been in the industry for like, I don't know, maybe a year. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and let me tell you, I did it. Good for you. I love the challenge and I did it. And I ended up becoming what they would call product champion of Open Wells. So, so sorry. What is Open Wells? Mm -hmm. Open yeah, Wells. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's touch, touch on, on that. that. So, in the industry, a lot of operators use different platforms to track their operations data. So, okay. uh, Open Wells is a, uh, an application that is owned by Landmark, which is a Halliburton company. Mm -hmm. Um, something that I'm using today is called Wellview, mm -hmm. which is a uh, an application that Peloton owns. Oh, um, and a lot not, of not that Peloton. Oh, oh not <laughs> the like, same as the like, Wow, <laughs> yes, Peloton not the getting same as the different different cast. company, and um, and that's a, a totally <laughs> so new software. Stupid. I know immediately. That's where my brain went. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you happen to think of the show Sex in the City? Yes, where Big dies on the Peloton. Mm. Yeah, not not the same thing. Um, but yes, yeah, so there's a lot of different um, applications that different operators use based on the level of uh, their operations, mm -hmm. like in terms of volume. Right. 
Um, you know, what another software is like WellEasy, which uh, does the same thing, but it's more for the smaller operators that maybe have like one rig and maybe a half rack crew kind of mm -hmm. thing. And it's just not a lot of like high volume work. Right. Um, you have some complicated softwares and some super easy ones. Um, but OpenWells was something that I eventually became like as their product champion within BHP. And eventually, um, as I went to go work for Sanchez Oil and Gas, now Mesquite Energy, mm -hmm. um, that skill set definitely propped me up there too. Um, and now I've learned a totally new software. <laughs> um, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but you know, I have I have a vision of myself becoming an expert in Wellview as well, hopefully soon. So yeah, awesome. I think that's a good just talking point in general, is that you know, you don't have to be a petroleum engineer to get into the industry, but when you are in there, if you can identify some of these incredibly common, mm -hmm. you know, applications, programs, softwares that a lot of different people in the industry, energy industry use and become an expert at that, you're very attractive to a lot of people over the long term. Right. And so that's a. Do engineers learn like those applications in college? So they learn some of them. I think a lot more of them, like um, I'm not a petroleum engineer, so I, I can't speak in as much detail on that, but a lot of them are more like high level type like reservoir simulation software right. or like mm -hmm. just higher level type things. And then there's all these other things that kind of bolt on and feed into those and like Wellview and open wells. And those are kind of one of those things, right? Like all of your operations data goes into that, whether that's like logs and cores or just your frack and drilling data. And then mm -hmm. that data goes over to the simulator software as it comes in and somebody else does something with it. That's one of the biggest, I feel like, complexities of the energy space is there's always something going on across all of your wells and there's always data coming in. There's always different people in different groups that need that data at different times and at different frequencies. That's why <laughs> you do what you do, generally speaking, is... There's that's in very, very important data that ends up, you know, potentially could cost companies lots mm -hmm. and lots of money if they don't have it. Right. Absolutely. And like. For my for my role, my role is now senior engineering tech mm -hmm. and I work in the drilling and completion space. And um, a lot of what I do is very data driven, very data heavy. Um, and a lot of different functions, a lot of different groups rely heavily on that data. They rely on it to be quality data. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it can't be, you know, crap data going in and it definitely can't be crap data going out. Right. And so a lot of what I do is spending a lot of time in the data, scrubbing it, yeah. um, training people on how to use the software, trying to get buy-in, particularly from the field, right? Those field guys what they do, they are experts in what they do, whether it be a drilling company man, whether it be a completions company man, work over, those guys are experts in what they do. And one thing that they aren't experts at particularly is reporting data. Right. Um, and so it's so critical to get buy-in from the field so that the data does become uh, useful. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a huge piece of what I do is working with those field guys, getting the reporting right, making sure they're capturing costs. So that way we can make business decisions on things like our schedules. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How many wells can we go and drill and frack this year? 
do we have the money for that? Do we have the budget? Do yeah. we ramp up? Do we ramp down? Do we lay down rigs? Do we pick up rigs? It's a, it's a very critical world to be in. And when we were getting started, you mentioned you compared it to being a nurse to a doctor. Yes, in terms of my position, yeah. yes. Uh, engineers are degreed engineers. They're likely either petroleum engineers or mechanical engineers. I was going to ask that. Like the most common types of engineers mm -hmm. in energy, oil, and gas are yeah. mechanical and petroleum. Mm -hmm. Also, petroleum, obviously, right? Because right. that's direct. And then I would say the next two are probably either, I don't know where they rank, but I would say mechanical and chemical are the, the two next kind of big ones, at least on the operator mm -hmm. side. Um, there's quite a few industrial engineers on the service side, primarily because the service companies, a lot of the big ones, at least manufacture a lot of their own right. stuff. And that's what industrial engineering is kind of focused on. But um, yeah, it's a pretty big gambit of, of right. different, different sides. But the chemical, I think chemis and, and emmies are the probably the, the most common behind the, the PE guys. And I would Absolutely. imagine that this is why, as we were talking, a lot of people think that you do need some sort of degree to work. Mm -hmm. And energy and oil and gas, at least I would think at like the corporate level. As we know, there are a ton of really wonderful positions open on the field. And for people who maybe don't have a degree or we talked about, you know, kids coming out of high school, you know, out in Midland and being able to make a hundred grand a year. Yeah. Um, but on the degree level, maybe a more corporate level here in Houston, downtown, you know, working for one of the big shiny companies. I think it's scary for people thinking, you know, I don't have that degree or I can't backtrack and go get the degree because that's going to take me another X amount of years. So I love that you've started as an admin and kind of just worked your way up to now doing what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you, um, you know, if I could encourage people to go to school and get a degree <laughs> that that's the way to go. Um, I'm still kicking myself to this day. I was supposed to take a geology course my <laughs> freshman year. And at the time, I didn't know anything about mm -hmm. oil and gas. I didn't know anything about geology. And I'm sitting here like kicking myself because mm -hmm. those guys are super successful. They're amazing at their jobs. And I'm over here like, why didn't I just take that mm -hmm. dang rocks class? Yeah. You know? Because um, it was a rocks class. That, that's yes, that's problem. exactly It's how not the most sexy or attractive class when you're signing up for courses in college. You're no, like, yeah. especially hmm. when you're an 18-year-old. <laughs> And you're, and you're kind of like, you know, why, why do I need this? Mm -hmm. But I'm still like, dang it, you know, but um, no. So you're right. You don't have to have a particular degree to be successful in this industry. Mm -hmm. You can definitely come into this industry with a political science degree and work your way up. Um, or you can take the shortcut mm -hmm. <laughs> and go get a PE um, or or a mechan mechanical engineering degree and and go through that route. You can even bypass the college degree, right? Because I know a ton of successful people, especially one in particular that comes to mind. That's a, a friend of mine who doesn't have a college degree, but she's a badass in regulatory, and she's mm -hmm. now a senior regulatory specialist for an offshore operator. And she is doing a tremendous job at her role. Um, and I know people who just came up through the service side right. and mm -hmm. spent their time in the field. Um, but there is something that comes with not having the right degree, and that is time. You got to be yeah. willing to put in the time yeah. and the work um, and the networking right. in order mm -hmm. to get where you're at. Because For sure. mine, mine didn't come overnight.
yeah. it took me 10 years to get the, mm-hmm. the respect that I have in the right. industry for sure. Yeah. No, that's one of my favorite things about our industry in particular is that, you know, if you don't have the ability to go get a degree, like you can still go make good money mm-hmm. and there's not, it, and, and it's not just the short term, like I'm just going to go make a, you know, a couple hundred grand for a couple of years and then leave. Um, I mean, you can obviously do that if you wanted to, but there's a, there's a path for people mm-hmm. that start out in the field if they really want to go out and end up, you know, in the office, so to speak. Um, because a lot of the guys, you know, in the office, <laughs> at least in my experience, generally speaking, the guys that have, you know, 10 years of field experience versus a PE straight out of school, the guy that has 10 years of field experience knows way more about right, right. the day-to-day of an oil business, oil yep. and gas company than mm-hmm. a PE coming out of A&M or wherever, not to knock them, but they just don't have the hands-on experience, right? right? And so you can learn everything you want in a book, but once it's very different once you're actually out in the real world and, and doing things. And well, that's so, why doctors have residencies, right? right. They go to med school yep. and then they have this time where they have to have the hands-on experience. And I feel like unless you're getting your hands dirty, you know, that degree is only going to get you so far because there are so many other things that come up on the day-to-day. Absolutely. I tell so many new engineers that come out of college to find operators that have a development program that put you out in the field at least the first year or two of your career or go service side because a lot of engineers that I know have the respect that they do because they were out there swinging hammer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and that's also honestly why I have spent so much time in the field, even as a tech. Um, and I encourage so many operators as well as, you know, fellow techs that I know in the industry, if you have the opportunity to go to the field, go to the field. Yeah. You are only a better tech to your engineer and can provide them the support that they need if you understand the operations right. and you've seen it with your own eyes and mm-hmm. you're asking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's another piece of advice in terms of becoming successful even as a tech. Right. For sure. So. No, and that's to your point. There's a couple big independent operators that I know of that have really good, you know, they're two-year-long training programs for mm-hmm. degreed engineers around school, right? They do six months in drilling, six months in completions, production, et cetera. And they do that because those guys also have a degree, but they know nothing about what's going on yeah. on the day to day. And so, yeah, the path is longer and more hours and harder if you don't have the degree, but there's still a very direct path for you to get into, you know, a more stable role that you're not working nearly as much hours. You have, you know, better, uh, balance. But I mean, you know, if you're 18, 19, 20 years old coming out of school or not in school, coming out of school, whatever, and just looking for something that, you know, has is full of challenges and you will never, <laughs> never quit learning. It, it's hard to beat, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think about too, uh, you know, going back to like my roots in the industry when I started as an admin, um, you know, at my previous job, when I was working for Sanchez Oil and Gas, you know, there was somebody that worked within our group who was also administrative assistant. And, you know, I immediately thought to myself, okay, this person has a lot of potential. They're spending time working with engineers mm-hmm. and their boss, who was a VP at the time. And I felt like I could use this person. And so I started to kind of pour into that person and teaching them things about oil and gas, yeah, teaching them about operations, and then kind of delegating some work to them so that they could also develop their career. 
Um, and so I think that operators should definitely be open to, you know, taking a look at their, even their admins, um, right. so that they, they aren't necessarily career admins. Like I realize some people, that's what they want to do. They want to be an administrative assistant or an executive assistant for their career. And that is okay because that's what they want to do. Misty kills it. I don't yeah. know if that is her. I don't know if she has that thought that, but she's our executive admin and she runs yeah. this place. That is <laughs> a we hard would be nowhere job. without her. Yeah. There, that is a hard job. Mm -hmm. That is a people pleasing job. That is. You, I don't know how she does it. You have to be a rock star to be mm -hmm. good at that. I mean, and also like your boss a lot in order to be really good at that. But um, my point in saying this is, is, you know, don't bypass those admins who are looking for a promotion yeah. or even a lateral move because sometimes your tech positions can be entry level. But those guys definitely have the ability to to get into a, a tech space, a tech, a technical role. Right within an operational function. And I think you said it perfectly. I think it's really putting in the time and the effort um, mm -hmm. and the willingness to learn. And I would think that it'd be safe to say anyone coming into energy or oil and gas outside of having that degree and going to college for it, um, kind of like us, you know, mm -hmm. put in the time to learn a little bit about the industry, industry. as a whole, yeah. not even specifically what your company does or what that job role is, but, you know, do a little research into all of it. I mean, I think on our end too, I think at any conference or event we throw, it's nice kind of at this point, at least being able to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Be a part of the almost, conversation yeah. and, or at least know understand. what people, understand, know what people are talking about when they're mm -hmm. saying those kind of like buzzwords that we hear day to day at, and at the office, we actually know what they mean now. Yeah. 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 yeah we're not off in la la. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're not like, sounds good. <laughs> well, I think that's another big thing. I don't think it's talked about enough because, you know, people in the industry are willing to help you as much as you're willing to help mm -hmm. yourself, right? If you're showing up and you're putting in the work, you're asking questions, people, generally speaking, most people want to educate and right. share and help you learn and add people to the, you know, industry family, so to speak. You know, if you come and you're just there for the money and you don't really care about anything else and you're just showing up and doing your thing and you're not going above and beyond, it's probably gonna be a little bit harder. But like if you show up and you do your job and, and you, ask questions and show that you care, mm -hmm. people will help and educate. Yeah. And that's one of the coolest things about our industry, in my opinion. Absolutely. And I think you said something that really kind of like hones in on like even my own career and my experience. And you use the term family for our industry, because to me, I really see our industry as that, mm -hmm. um, you know, getting out there and participating in industry events and networking and getting to know more of your peers is so critical to your career. And not only that, but even as your, your role in the industry evolves and you get to know people, you know, you create even like these, these relationships. Sometimes people refer to it as like operator vendor relationship, right. but to be perfectly honest with you, a lot of these relationships that I have built with people have become like, like, really great friends yeah. and family, you know, and, uh, and what I love about that is that there are so many people in this industry that want to see you thrive. They want to see you be successful. They want to educate you. They want you to participate. They, they, they want to see your career grow, you mm -hmm. know, and that's something that I love so much about our industry. 
um, that really I don't know that you find anywhere else, yeah. but that I might be biased too. So no, I was thinking about that, and we had Kay McCall on, and mm-hmm. she had a kind of tagline. Granted, she was talking more in terms of um, renewables and oil and gas, and kind of this energy transition slash addition thing. But she said synergy, not silos, and I feel like that also applies to the industry as a whole as mm-hmm. a workforce because you think when the industry as a whole is doing well, everyone's doing well. So you should want everyone at your company, other companies, people coming into the industry to succeed. And you should want to attract talent and get people, maybe younger people, like we talked about JP um, and his kids crew, like getting kids, high school students, college students excited about energy again and getting those people into the industry just to keep keep the momentum going. For sure. in general, right? Like most people have no, mm-hmm. no understanding of where their energy comes from or how it gets mm-hmm. there. Right. And it, you're right. Like all the way down to the kids level. And I'm so glad people like JP and Nancy and some of these other folks are, you know, getting out there mm-hmm. and having kids books and kids clubs and stuff like that. Because yeah, you know, like you talk to kids. It's really cool. Yeah. It's yeah. great. It's great education. It is interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. So it excites them to learn about science and engineering, which right. obviously I'm a big yeah. fan of. And, and yeah, they, it, just having, starting that education as early as you can around it makes, in my opinion, a much more well-rounded person because you can think about, Hey, it's not right. just, just showing up at my house and I just plug it in and mm-hmm. there it is. Right. Like yeah. there's a lot more yep. that goes into it. So. And it all ties into, I think our mission at Dutch Wildcatters, just raising the world's energy IQ mm-hmm. um, and getting the message out there that everyone should care about energy. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things too, that I love is I've seen a lot of companies, um, you know, where they go out into the communities where operations is, you know, where there's a lot of operations mm-hmm. going like high volume work and they'll go into those communities and they'll go into the schools, they'll go into the boys and girls clubs um, and other like little local groups and organizations. And some of the engineers that will work for those companies will go out and do like demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Um, or mm-hmm. I've also been a part of situations where you can go into like elementary schools for your kids and you get to talk about what you do for a living. And that's an opportunity too to educate kids about what you do and how you can um, get to that point, like if you wanted to be an engineer, what it takes to be an engineer, or even what I do, and mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as being a tech or mm-hmm. folks that are in finance or marketing or anything like that, because those people also play critical roles. But if you have an opportunity to go out there and educate mm-hmm. at the school level or even at some of these nonprofits like Boys and Girls Club, go out and do it because. It's it's literally the future of our industry, right. which mm-hmm. is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, that's, you know, I started my first two internships, real internships were in the wind space. Right. And it was through that that I realized, like, hey, did some research on energy. Right. Like I started getting into it. It's like energy is not going anywhere. Demand for energy is mm-hmm. not going anywhere. It's only going to continue to grow. And so I was like, huh, maybe energy is the right, right play. I ended up in the oil and gas space, which I'm forever grateful for and it's but it's yeah you know people <laughs> just don't generally think about the fact that energy makes everything happen mm-hmm. and makes the world it's go around only, it really does. it's only gonna get more yeah. important the older that we get you know mm-hmm. right and you know one of the things that i've found too in my career um having worked with you know some politicians about the different levels of energy is you know understanding uh the 
the different energy opportunities, diversifying our energy mix, having a portfolio here mm-hmm. in the United States, understanding the reasons why it's important for us to have a diversified energy mix, um, understanding how it plays into our national security. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all things uh, that are critical. But for me, you know, personally, like I'm a big advocate of oil and gas and a big advocate of supporting our oil filled families um, yeah. and just seeing people you know, thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yet another thing that doesn't get talked about is just how much kind of, uh, money comes into the communities where there is oil and gas development, right? Like mm-hmm. part of my job as a field engineer was to bring snacks, bring breakfast. Right. And I would go to the same donut shop every morning and pick up donuts and kolaches for the company man, because I knew he liked it. Right. Where we go get yeah. $200 worth of groceries for the crew that week. Like there's so much secondary and tertiary effects of what oil and gas activity does to an area than just what, you know, the news would have you think, which is oil and gas companies making record profits. And so it's, uh, yeah, those are, that's why I work here because those things need to be talked about. Right. It's, it's an important part of it. Yeah. There's so many different energy, you know, well, or oil and gas Mm -hmm. events too, that support different, um, you know, what am I trying to say? Like nonprofits or charities, Mm -hmm. um, you know, oil filled helping hands is a really big one. That one supports, you know, oil filled families where they experience, you know, unfortunate losses, whether it's job loss or, um, you know, unexpected, Mm -hmm. you know, HSC related type events that people end up enduring in their families. So they fundraise for that. There are, you know, Again, going back to, you know, supporting people in the communities and stuff like that, you know, they're pouring monies into the um, the schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're pouring money into the small businesses. Yeah. I mean, hotels are yeah. seeing all kinds Rental of Rental cars, hotels, restaurants, all the restaurants, yep. You know, there's, there's so many benefits to having a huge oil and gas presence in communities. Um, yeah pretty much the gist of that yeah. yeah it's it's always easy to know when when oil prices are high because the uh the minimum wage in midland prices <laughs> you can just go see how many people are working at olive garden and if it's more than three or four prices probably aren't very good but if it's less than that and you know they've got a we're hiring 25 dollars an hour yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. sign on the door which happens in a lot of places then it's a pretty good sign that uh times are good so yeah. it's i love it you want to wrap up with our rapid fire? Yeah, here we go. You ready? We got three questions. Um, number one, what's the number one misconception about the energy industry? Okay, so in our industry, yes, it is a male-dominant industry. Mm-hmm. However, things are changing. Mm-hmm. There are so many women who are in leadership positions, who are engineers, and they're rock stars at what they do. There's so much opportunity. A lot of uh, operators, a lot of other third-party companies are pushing for that diversity and inclusion. There's so much opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so you can be successful. You can be empowered. You can climb the ladder um, and be a leader in this industry. And uh, so, yes, um, you know, Please do not think that if you are a woman that you cannot be successful in this industry because it is a male-dominant industry. I love that. There is a place for you here. There yes. is. A hundred percent. There is. Um, number two, why should we care about the energy industry? I mean, 
for people that don't know like anything yeah. about it, like why why is it important to educate them on why they should care? Oh, where you can go all the way up from the very top and talk about national security, which yeah. I think is a huge factor mm -hmm. to, you know, something as simple as making sure that every home can stay warm in the winter. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, not to mention all the other products that we have that are <laughs> petroleum products that we use that if we didn't have that, what else would there be? What really is your plan B? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. I loved all those Super Bowl graphics. I know Flipping yeah. the Barrel had one. There, I saw a couple others that were like, there would be no Super Bowl yeah. without yeah. petroleum, the balls. Mm -hmm. Obviously, all of the electricity at you know, the arenas I mean, the, and the fields are the all made from everything turf now, right? Yeah. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's an important piece. And yeah, people just don't know how mm -hmm. much of our daily lives are affected right. by that all the way up to just like food too, yeah. right? Like anything that requires that is made, produced, grown, requires energy input in some form or fashion, whether it's, you know, your plant that's manufacturing stuff and you have to have electricity to, to power that, or, you know, you're, a farmer and your food has to get from A to B on guess what? Probably some kind of uh mode of transportation that uses fossil fuels in some mm -hmm. form or fashion. And so it's it's very it important. really does make the world go round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Last one. What's your most embarrassing story in your career? <laughs> this is our favorite <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, you know what? I do have one. Okay, so high-level Cliff Notes version, I had a little too much fun at a, um, like a company, um, like bonding, team bonding mm -hmm. events. Mm -hmm. What do you call those? Like a retreat? Like a no. company? Team building. Team building. Mm -hmm. Building is the word, not bonding. <laughs> um, and so we were at the Woodlands Resort. This was several years ago. I'm still in my 20s, mm -hmm. you know kind of trying to figure out my way in the industry. Um, and and Jennifer had a little too much to mm -hmm. drink the night before. And the next morning, we were supposed to be playing like this golf tournament with yeah, your different peers, like within different teams and all of that. And I don't play golf, um, <laughs> but I had a little too much to drink. And maybe this isn't the right topic to be covering. But <laughs> nonetheless, Jennifer, um, and I'm talking in third person here, um, did not show up. Tea off was at tea time was like 8 a.m. I think I showed up at 11. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, guess who was on my team? Boss. Boss man. The boss man. It wasn't my direct boss. It was my direct boss. boss's boss. <laughs> he was on my team. And you know what, though? He had a great sense of humor about it. He was really awesome about it. But I knew that it, it wasn't a... Uh, a pretty look for me <laughs> ever that's the other nice part is generally speaking as long as you show up and get your shit done in our industry people will have a little bit of leniency because most of us have been there in some form yes, or fashion we're like, all humans right yes yes it's always a good time if you can make it out to any of the industry events and network and mm -hmm. get to know other people it's always a blast and uh, i am thankful for people like him who showed me a lot of grace that morning because I needed it for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I would have been like, I'm so sorry. That's something that would happen to me as well. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you're in your 20s. And you're <laughs> yeah. Like, Sometimes I have too much to drink. Anyways. It happens. Yeah, it does. Well, thanks so much for coming on. We yes, really enjoyed thank you for it. Thank having me. I appreciate you guys.
When do we think this episode's coming out? What should we eat? This week. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Great. So. Get your Empower tickets. Get your Empower There's tickets. Only two weeks left. Our, am I allowed to say Bitcoin mining? Yeah, I can on this. I, I never know these days. Uh, our Energizing Bitcoin Mining conference is coming up March 8th and 9th in Houston. After that, we are taking Energy Tech Night to Denver. So those are the two big ones coming up. Learn more on our website, social, get your tickets. Don't have FOMO. Yeah. We'll see you there. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you. Bye.